Welcome to Season 2, Episode 11 of Stripped Music Diary. If you'd like to follow the show on Instagram or Twitter, you can find us at Stripped Diary, or you can search for us on Facebook for Stripped Music Diary. If you have any questions or if you're in a band and you like to be featured on the podcast, you can email us at strippedmusicdiary at gmail.com. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on iTunes or your favorite podcast network. It really helps the show out a lot, and we really appreciate it. Now just sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 11 of Stripped Music Diary. I'm Shannon, and this week we're going to be reviewing some things, uh, including the new uh, Interpol record Marauder. So uh, sit back and get ready for that, because I have a lot to say about about this new Interpol record. It's been four years since their last release, El Pintor, and uh, highly anticipated record, uh, at least for me, and um, I have a, yeah, have a lot of thoughts. So we have that. Uh, also, we have a little, little bit of news to start things off. Then later on in the episode, I have another review for you, Indie uh, Alternative Band The Slang. They're out of DC. They have just released a new EP entitled Desperate Times. It came out July 13th of this year. So we'll be reviewing, reviewing that EP as well as playing some stuff that I've been into lately. Maybe you'll be into it too. Who knows? Uh, that's the, uh, the beauty of this roller coaster that is stripped music diary. Also, also I want to apologize for the delay in the episode. I'm going to be trying to get episodes out on Tuesdays, but uh, we're having all these thunderstorms here, and they're going to be continuing all this week. Hooray! Uh, here in Florida, and our power went out a couple times, and the internet was out for even longer. So I had access to my phone, but I couldn't um, record and, and upload it, uh, this episode. So, uh, well, I could record it, but it's not good when the power's going on and off and, you know, going out and, uh, transformers blowing up then to have electronic devices on. So anyway, here we are. We made it. Uh, the episode is here. You don't have to fret. So as for news, uh, Neil Young got married to Daryl Hannah this week. That was, uh, interesting. Her, like Neil Young's in his seventies. So it's kind of, interesting that he's starting this new chapter in his life, but I've never, like, I've never gotten, like, wholly into Neil Young, and, um, I feel like I should. I feel like a lot of indie rock is kind of, like, rooted in, in some Neil Young, at least Harvest, um, I don't know, but <laughs> either way, an interesting tidbit of news this weekend. Um, and also something that, that caught my attention as well in more of the indie world is that, uh, the band Wicca Phase Springs Eternal or the project, uh, 
um, was signed to run for cover records this week, which is interesting. Uh, they're kind of like a weird, like, I don't even know how to describe it, but it's Adam McElroy from Tiger's Jaw. And, uh, then he's also a part of self-defense family now, but it's his project. He, he kind of like exists in this weird, like indie slash SoundCloud rapper realm. It's really strange, but he collaborated with a little peep on a song called Avoid. And he started this like click called goth boys club or something like that. It's super bizarre. And honestly, uh, my, my favorite part of Tiger's Jaw was, was Adam. He, I really liked his voice, his super kind of deadpan delivery. And when he left, I just really didn't have an interest or desire to listen to Tiger's Jaw anymore. I tried to listen to Charmer and I, it just fell flat for me personally. So I felt like he added a lot uh, to the band. Um, and I, you know, noticed and followed him onto Wicca Phase Springs Eternal. And I just thought it was such a bizarre name for a band or a project. And I, I was interested in what he was going to do with it, but it wasn't really something like for me, like, and that's okay. It's what he wants to do is, you know, why he left Tiger's Jaw to pursue something more along those lines. And that's cool, but it's just really not my thing. But it's almost like the universe is like wanting me or forcing me to to like this project of his because um, not only were they signed or was he signed to run for cover this week, uh, also the, a song was released called Stress that features Georgia Mack from Camp Cope. And I am a huge Camp Cope fan, so that's just sort of... Um, endeared this project to me and I want to play a little bit of this for you it's really interesting and and pretty catchy so this is a clip of the song stress that was just released by wicca phase springs eternal So you hear the 
hip hop elements in it, right? So you know what I'm talking about. And it was clearly made just like on a computer. So uh, like really minimalistic um, style music on that thing. So that seems to be his MO. I listened to a few tracks. I remember listening to like one, one track on SoundCloud, like, you know, when I first learned of this project and, um, when he left Tiger's Jaw, but I was like, whoa, this is not for me. But it somehow sent me down a, um, a rabbit hole of like witch house music. And I got really into the band that's just like five letter O's. <laughs> um, and this song by Clams Casino. Um, and so, yeah, at least that came out of it, which is neat. But, um, yeah, I just don't, um, I don't know how I feel about it. I, I like it, but I don't, it's catchy, but just maybe not for me, but let me know what you think about it in, uh, the comments, send me a message, whatever, but I am just really super curious. <laughs> um, so whatever you can, uh, reach out to me on whatever platform I'd, I'd just be interested to see what other people think about this. Um, it's just really, it's really interesting. So yeah, uh, there is that. And I think their, uh, run for cover are re-releasing something like an album or an EP that was put out by, uh, Wicca phase Springs, Wicca Springs. Um, I think people just call it Wicca Springs for, for short, but either way we're here predominantly for Marauder, um, the, the Interpol record. So I'm going to get into, I think I'm going to get into that because that's all the news I had for, for this time. And, uh, also a little bit later, uh, probably after this review, I am going to talk a little bit about being a fan of music, like a hardcore fan of music and the way that music is consumed when you are that type of person, at least for me, because this is a, a diary and I like to try to keep up with that theme and just kind of let you guys know, you know, what, what it's like for me and uh, share thoughts and ideas. So if you are somebody who rapidly consumes music or consumes a lot of music, um, or has over your lifetime, I'd be interested in, in your process as well. So um, feel free to reach out or leave us a comment on Instagram is probably the easiest, but yeah, so we're going to be talking about that. So, um, yeah, without further ado, we're going to talk about Interpol's sixth studio, sixth studio album, uh, first in four years, Marauder. And, um, it's pretty, it's, uh, I'd say it's a pretty solid record overall. I'll get into, my thoughts here in just a second, but I did want to note that Pitchfork gave it a 6.1 and they gave Turn on the Bright Lights a 9.5. So that's kind of the, the bar there that uh, Pitchfork has set. Um, and that I, I really did, I just wanted to mention as well that I really did enjoy reading their um, review of this record. If you haven't seen it, you should absolutely go and, and read that. Um, they, they weren't that thrilled with, with this record. So, um, and it's pretty, it's pretty amusing. I'd say it was, uh, actually kind of scathing in parts. So, uh, basically 
my introduction to this record was the song if you really love nothing uh with a video with Kristen Stewart and I watched it and thought to myself oh did Paul Banks break up with Helena Christensen because that's what this kind of like seems like that his or the, the I'm sorry the male character because it's not him it's it's an actor uh that's with Kristen Stewart and he's just kind of like being ignored he's almost portrayed as this sort of like you know um beta male who's just on her arm and doesn't really do anything and she's just like the life of the party kissing other men like you know basically being a social butterfly and he's just kind of there being ignored and uh you know just being the loyal partner or whatever and that's just it almost rang like immediately to me as like is this what he's saying about um you know Helena Christensen she's this world-renowned supermodel and I got a lot of like uh, Charlie Nichols vibes. And, uh, if you haven't seen high fidelity, uh, it's Catherine Zeta Jones character. And she's just like the life of the party. She just talks nonstop. But then Rob, which is John Cusack's character realizes that she just talks shit and she's just like awful. And, um, that's kind of the, I don't know, the the gist of what I'm getting here from, from this video or what I got from that video. So I immediately looked up if Paul Banks and Helena Christensen broke up and I found on his Wikipedia that he says as of July 2018 that they, they had, but that was the only place I could find that. Um, I'm not really into celebrity gossip, but when it kind of like ties into a record, I'm interested. So I don't know. That was sort of my thought process going into this. I'm like, oh, something happened. And yeah, so apparently that could be part of it. And then my secondary thought was, oh, wow, well, this record might be good then. Um, and I say that because I, I really did not love El Pintor. <laughs> the most interesting thing about that record was that El Pintor, um, Spanish for the painter, uh, it was an anagram for in, uh, Interpol. And I thought that was really neat, but I, I just really couldn't get into that record at all. It just it didn't, uh, it didn't do it for me. However, Interpol are a band or is a band that are, consistent in in their sound like they they always sound great um and from you know record to record they have that like sort of like cold basement like i don't know but almost like a swagger to it and i think it was pit the pitchfork article said that uh, they're like a sexier druggier indie band and i couldn't agree with that more <laughs> and so they've always had that and they've kind of lasted throughout that whole phase of like the strokes and the hives and and jet all these bands that were kind of coming up when when they did and they just stood the the test of time they're like oh we're still here and meanwhile, Paul Banks is out trying to do stuff that's not Interpol, but his voice is so distinct that it 
always came off really strange to me. Like he did a uh, rap mixtape called Everyone on My Dick Like They Supposed to Be. <laughs> and it featured LP and Mike G, among others, uh, that came out in 2013. But it was just almost like somebody or Paul himself took Interpol songs and like remix them in a, I don't know. And that was almost the same thing with the banks and steels, the record that, that came out. It was like, okay, well, this is still Paul Banks. And if you ask some people, they might say that the definitive uh, thing behind Interpol is, is Paul Banks and his voice. And, um, you know, it's like, he can't escape it almost. And it, uh, he tried to, have a different persona in another project he did called Julian Plenty. And that just was just seemed like, okay, well, here's Interpol again. And it's, it's just really hard to get away from. And I think some people will disagree with me that Sam's drumming is very dynamic and very like specific to Interpol or, um, you know, I've seen people on the internet say that, Interpol hasn't been good since Carlos D left their bassist. Um, but I think that was just kind of in reaction to El Pintor. People didn't care that much for that record, but looking back on it, there's nothing wrong with El Pintor. I think a big part of it and myself included was just kind of like a cultural fatigue and it just, it wasn't the time. And all of a sudden, everyone's vamped up and ready and excited about a new Interpol record. And there's something to be said um, as, as far as like the masses go and uh, and the culture goes too for that. So and how a record is received. So I was excited and I was looking forward. And I so I saw you know the uh, the first or I think that was actually the second video technically or the second single released if you really love nothing but then i retroactively listened to the first single release the rover and as a song i like that much much better uh, than i then uh, with the coupled with the video i really enjoyed uh, if you really love nothing but as a song i think the rover is much stronger and i was glad that that was the lead single and um that I, is a really solid uh, opening to the record, those two, those two songs. So that was a, a perfect choice. Uh, this record was recorded to two inch tape, uh, analog style. It wasn't, there was no pro tools, no like, you know, bells and whistles put in as far as like digital editing from what I understand. And you can really tell. <laughs> I, I'm not a musician, but I've seen it over and over on the internet and Eric said it as well, and I can hear at times how tinny it sounds. And so I I listened to it and in from front to back the entire record, and I realized it's more so on on a lot of like on the back half of the record, but not every song sounds sounds tinny. But then I I read the Pitchfork article and it kind of confirmed that for me. And um, it's kind of strange because um, the the tape, analog tape, is usually supposed to make things sound warmer. But in this case, it's like 
I don't know, it's echoey and the drums are really loud and the hi-hats are super loud and it's just, I can't think of a better word than tinny, (laughs) but I did like Pitchfork's analogy that it sounds like it was recorded in a, it sounds like doughy and airless, like it was recorded in a Grand's um, tin, like a, um, like a dough can, uh, Pillsbury dough can. So, uh, you have to go and read that for yourself because I don't, I can't, uh, I I can't even paraphrase it at this, at the moment, but it was something to that effect. And really they're, they're pretty right. Like in that regard there, like I said, their review is kind of a little too much when they're talking about, uh, Interpol just feeling nostalgic and making us think of our, um, coked out twenties or something like that. I just thought that was a little too much and too harsh for a band that has been consistently putting out, uh, the same sort of record. Like, do you want them to go a different direction? If you, I feel like they're doing the right thing. Like Julian Plenty and Banks and Steels are something you can reach out to if you want something a little different. But if you want an Interpol record, listen to Interpol. And I feel like they have carved out a, a sound and a niche for themselves um, that, that just really works. And some of the you know stronger songs um, on this record, I believe, are The Rover and Party's Over, which I played a little bit of um, in the beginning of, of this episode. And I just feel, I feel like that's a weird song. But Interpol are a weird band. And if you think about, you know, some of the standout tracks on um, the Turn on the Bright Lights, you, you know, th- there's the song Stella was a diver and she was always down. And like, I, I don't know, just like really weird concepty stuff uh, that, that stood out a lot. And that sort of is echoing on uh, Parties Over, where uh, Paul Banks himself says that the song is kind of akin to masturbating and looking at at uh, Instagram. And so, uh, I mean, it's just like Pitchfork said, sexier, druggier indie rock, and it still rings true. And I, I have to applaud Interpol for keeping that going, um, you know, even into this record. It wasn't so apparent on El Pintor. I think that was one of the missing pieces, was it needed that little bit of grit and grime and piece of piece of the New York gutter that we were looking for. And, and I just didn't feel it on El Pintor. So I'm not really comparing. I'm just saying like that I basically am trying to convey my um, relief that this record is, is better than, in my opinion, than, than El Pintor and that they are super consistent. So basically uh, they're consistently pulling back the curtain again and again with their like seedy and debaucherous lyrics. And I, I just really, I really love that about them. It sets them apart. And the Pitchfork article mentioned Tame Impala and, um, uh, things, um, bands like that. I can't remember the other band that they mentioned, but, um, basically I f- they were kind of likening to Tame Impala to being like a watered down Interpol in a way. And I sort of agree with that in a way. So either way, uh, this was the first time that, 
um, a, a person was on the cover of, of uh, an, an, an Interpol record. Excuse me, I can't talk. And that's also interesting, but they did kind of go back to the red, white, and black scheme that they had on antics and turn on the bright lights. But Elliot Richardson uh, was the former attorney general, and he resigned after Richard Nixon ordered him to fire Archibald Cox, which who is the first special prosecutor named in the Watergate investigation. So that's who is on the cover of this right after he resigned, Elliot Richardson. And it's kind of a weird story how Paul Banks came across or says he came across this photo. It was like he wanted sort of a fake paparazzi shot from like the Studio 54 days. And somehow like going through all those, he ended up upon this photo. And if you haven't seen it, it's just Elliot Richardson sitting at a table alone with a bunch of like tape recorders stacked up. Uh, some are off the table, like on the ground. And then right just out of frame, you see a woman's arm looks like she's almost like backing away, like backing out of frame or leaving and, um, just, just an arm. And, and so that's pretty interesting, uh, an interesting choice. It's a little bit political and, um, we haven't seen that yet from, from Interpol. So, uh, that's, that's also something to, to make note of. Also, this is the first time we see Interpol working with Dave Friedman uh, or Friedman. He worked with MGMT and the Flaming Lips and Slater Kinney previously uh, producing stuff for them. And uh, Interpol brought him in to to produce Marauder. So that's uh, an interesting note as well. And, um, you know, he did a good job of basically keeping keeping their sound together, keeping it very, very Interpol. And he didn't do anything crazy or, or different, um, for the band. And I feel like that's, um, that just basically is a good fan service. And it added a little bit of a little fresh touch to, uh, the record, a little couple little different things, which I'll talk about in a second, but, um, it's, it is a little bit, uh, different approach in some ways, including the analog tape that I mentioned before. So, um, Interpol are very much an album band and, um, they, I feel like go a little bit too far to like, I don't know, demand that or put that in stone, set that in stone on this record. And it's kind of like, well, we already know that we already know their best listen to front to back, set the mood, you know, it's, it's weird to listen to one Interpol song. Um, I remember I go to this nightclub, it's kind of a goth club called the castle and they would play like obstacle number two and, and that sort of thing. And like that, I, I kind of got, but you know, it's, it's just weird to listen to some of the tracks and then, and that's it. Um, so I feel like it's a little bit overkill and a little bit unnecessary to have two interlude songs on this record. And they're not in places where like you would flip, flip the record. It's like, I mean, one of them might be, but it's like, um, another one is right before the last 
track. So it's like between 12 and 13, I believe. And I just feel like it doesn't doesn't sound good. It's kind of off-putting. And uh, like I said, it feels forced that, oh, we are an album band. This is an album to be listened to front to back. And it's just beating a dead horse because we already know that. And the I know for sure the interlude two, it just sounds like video game music. When I was talking to Eric earlier today, I told him it sounds like the music that's played like when you enter a cave in the video game Monster Hunter, which is just like this kind of like weird fantasy game where you're just like hunting monsters and stuff. It's just, I don't know. It's just really like unnecessary, I guess. So those are kind of like some of my negative things, but um, some positive things going back to the Rover, I think is the catchiest tune on the record. Stay in touch, uh, has kind of like a noisier sound, but in a way that I really like. And also this song has some of my favorite lyrics on, on the record. And, uh, especially the line where he says, that's how you make a ghost. And I really, I really enjoyed that. Um, Mountain Child is more of the uh, t- the tinny sound that I was talking about with some of the weakest lyrics. Um, just for a contrast, there are some like pretty bad lyrics on here, and uh, also a couple like tongue in cheek lines, which I enjoyed. Kind of the humor behind, but the Ma- Mountain Child has a line: "Are you out of your head? Why are you out of my bed now?" And I just really kind of, I don't know, tensed up, cringed a little bit at that. Um, And uh, Stay in Touch is, uh, again, um, Banks describes as as their gothic jam. And um, like I said, I really, really enjoy those lyrics a lot. But um, it it sounds a little bluesy. I don't really think it sounds gothic, but... It kind of sounds like he's singing about a one-night stand with his friend's wife, kind of like a, uh, you know, illicit affair, if you will. And so, again, adding to, like, the kind of, like, seedy, uh, like, debaucherous side of, of Interpol. Um, the song Surveillance is, pro- is probably one of my least favorite tracks. I do like... Um, that Paul Banks has this sort of love affair with, um, like basically, um, claim, reclaiming human thought. Like basically he's saying that people are lose, lose control of their own, um, you know, thoughts, kind of like a thought police type of situation, I guess. But the vocals on this thing sound like he's just like, like they're melting and it just sounds like his voice is melting into itself to me. That's just how it sounds to me. Uh, there's a kind of garage grit song called number 10, which coincidentally is number 10 on the record. And he's singing about a girl named Ella. And I kind of laughed a little bit at the coincidence of this, where people are kind of buzzing about how this record is supposed to be going back to kind of like a return on the bright lights era and and this and that but and you know like I said earlier we have the song Stella was a diver now he's singing about Ella and it's like this woman who's just sort of berating this man and and kind of like he's just really over it and that 
leads me into the like the theme of the record um and talking about that a little the theme is basically uh this this person this marauder and it's a a male uh, just this guy who doesn't have any really any regard for what he's doing and uh, I've seen a couple of the other reviews, but I am going to echo what they said because I 100% agree that the Marauder just really seems like Paul Banks. Like, I feel like, you know, like, there's not really a wizard behind the curtain. Like, we know, like, I mean, we just know <laughs> that that it's too similar. And I don't know, he's trying to kind of masquerade as this as his character and it really just seems like him. So I feel like that's, I don't know, it just kind of reads badly to me, but you know, whatever he, he wants to have a theme or feel like he's outside of himself, then that's cool too. But really, I just think the Marauder is him. So, uh, then Back to the song Party's Over, one of my favorite tracks on the record uh, that I played earlier. And that that one has like kind of like a tongue-in-cheek swagger about the lyrics where he says, rock and roll, bitch, I'm into it. And um, I think he says, like, let me show you my stuff. But then the drums get really heavy. And I, I don't know how I feel about that. It, it starts to drown out the vocals and everything else, really. It drowns out the guitar. But then there's a bridge that offers some relief and it gets really quiet, but then it goes back into it. And, um, yeah, it's just kind of like, I don't know, a little, a little over, overdone, over the top, overproduced, I think a little bit, but, uh, but yeah, so the, the record ends up with, uh, it probably matters. And this song, I, I didn't want to like at first because it's so dissonant. It's so like off and I'm like, there's something so off about this song, but I really, now I really love it because of that. So, um, I, I usually love dissonance right out the gate, but I guess it was just really jarring to me as, uh, you know, listening to Interpol, like you don't really think, you know, of, of that, you know, I'm like, oh, this is not the ugly organ or, you know, Fugazi or, you know, something that I'm normally, I'm like ready for the dissonance, but it was, it was just, um, kind of, uh, surprising and, but now I enjoy it very much, but, um, the lyrics on, on this track are, are pretty, um, benign just kind of boring as well um he's saying by the seaside then on the beach with my friends and i just i don't know i feel like i feel like he can do better and um i just i don't think he's phoning it in but i i also did read something where he wrote one of the songs in like 25 minutes, one of the, like some of the lyrics, the lyrics to one of the songs in 25 minutes. So I just, sometimes I don't think that's at the forefront of, uh, you know, what they think is important in an Interpol song, um, anymore. <laughs> and the, because I'm holding like this candle up, like to turn on the bright lights, like, oh, you know, the, these lyrics are great and mysterious and, dark and swaggery, but, you know, it's just sort of, um, I don't know. I don't want to say they're just, they'll never make that album again, but 
you know, they don't, they don't need to do that. It's just, you know, what happened to that passion in the writing is kind of what I'm curious about. And, uh, overall, I think this is a great record. I would like to purchase it, uh, on vinyl, um, and, and own it. And I, um, you know, I would like to add that to my collection. I can't say the same for, um, I actually don't own Antics and I don't own El Pintor. So that, there's something there to be said. I, um, I really, really enjoyed, uh, li- listening to this and, and picking it apart. So it was, a, you know, a challenge for me. It's always a challenge for me to review anything. I feel like my thoughts are all over the place and I'm trying to get better at it. So that's kind of why I try to review a little indie band every episode, but I've never actually, uh, fully reviewed anything that I was super into or passionate about or had previously had some repertoire with. So yeah, so I appreciate you sticking it out with me. Uh, let me know what you think about this new, this new Interpol record. What do you, what are your thoughts? Um, do you agree? Do you disagree with anything I said? I'm, uh, I'm trying to rev up the interaction here. Um, so, so yeah, send me your thoughts. I, I want to know them. So yeah, uh, I'm going to go ahead and play for you a little bit of a song that I found over the last few days and segue kind of into some stuff I've been listening to as of late. And this is a band called Talk With Your Hands. They're from Orlando, Florida. And I just, I just found them. I just stumbled upon them. I think I've been following them on Instagram for a little bit and they did what I think all indie bands need to do. And they put a little clip of one of their songs, one of their new songs on, on Instagram. And I thought that that's really what more bands need to do. Surprisingly, a lot of bands do not do this because I want to check out your band. And I mean, I'm, I have a short attention span. So I click your link and it, you know, takes a few minutes. I like, it's just, it's not going to happen, but if I can look at it on Instagram, then, you know, that's, that's much better for me. So I'm not saying like just to cater to me. Um, I really feel like Instagram is a really strong platform to introduce people to your music and, uh, this band talk with your hands definitely caught my attention. Definitely got it right with, uh, putting a little clip of, of their song. Um, and it's called life is fair. So let's listen to that. Something says you'll find a way. Wake up. 
we're getting a lot of minus the bear vibes from that, right? Uh, but I, I really love it. And uh, I hear a little bit of like real estate in there too. And uh, I haven't listened to much of real estate, just a little bit of um, what Eric's played around the house and stuff because he uh, he likes them a lot. But I, uh, I really, really love what they're doing. I haven't I checked out uh, anything old by them. I don't know if that's like what they've been doing, but I really need to. But I did listen to their their five song EP, uh, Life is Fair, and it's so great. And like I said, they're from Orlando, Florida. And I just, I really see some potential for, for this band. They're, they're really good. So, uh, you can check them out on Bandcamp. I'm going to put their link in the, the notes for this show. So you can go and, and check out their EP. And, uh, they have a video as well for, for that song that I just played, which is, uh, the title track for the, for the EP. So, so yeah, um, I have a little bit of, uh, talking I wanted to do. And um, I just, I just kind of wanted to talk about being a, a music fan and, and consuming music like this and, and how I do it. And I am, like I said earlier, just super curious about how other people who are really into music do that as well. I just happen upon stuff on Instagram like that. And, um, I also fall down YouTube rabbit holes quite a bit. I've lately been listening or watching rather a lot of tiny desk concerts, but also I found this show called records in our lives or something like that. And it features like, you know, a different artist talking about the records that they love or records they love growing up. And I found a couple, um, interesting artists this way that I normally would never have like went, went for, or never would have like seeked out, I guess, if, um, if you will. And it was because of this show that I found Phoebe Bridgers and her record was produced by Ryan Adams. Um, and she's now doing a collaboration with Julian Baker and Julian Baker has an episode as well. And so does the, uh, singer of snail mail, and that's kind of how I fell down the rabbit hole is I was, I just had on all the snail mail videos or whatever. I was like doing stuff around my house and that her episode of the, uh, records in our lives came up and I watched it and I'd been sort of on this thing where uh, like all these young people just don't like, they just don't know about like music, like past I don't know, 2004 or something. Like I kept reading interviews and, um, hearing things on podcasts, like on washed up emo. I heard, uh, Tom say something about Jake from modern baseball. Just, he didn't really know any of the bands that people often compare modern baseball to when, when he was on, uh, washed up emo. And that just kind of broke my heart because like, it's just like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? Nobody's going to like, reach backward in time and, and check and discover these like really awesome bands. And, but then I watched this, um, records in our lives and it completely restored my, my faith in, in young people, because I believe the singer of snail mail is around 19 or 20 years old. And she was just going on about all these artists that, um, you know, just 
way she was just way wise beyond her years musically and i mean you could say oh it might be due to her parents or something or an older sibling but doesn't matter like she was talking passionately about these artists that she loved and bob dylan and and phoebe bridgers is talking about Joni mitchell and i just i love that and it made me just so so happy and it really endeared me to to them as artists as well that they actually you know come from a place that they they know ab- about this old old music that was just so so influential on the stylings of today there's nothing wrong with uh you know a new i saw an interview with a like a brand new band um i think it might be like mom jeans or something but they were kind of saying like oh our inspiration is modern baseball yeah but like they like i mean if they hadn't done hadn't taken a hiatus uh for the reason the mental health reasons and and the stress reasons that they did they would still be a band like now like they they were just a really short they were short lived and they really should just be a band now but you know they, there were these mitigating circumstances that caused them to not be but it's not like oh they've been around so long or a member passed away or you know it's just they're so old like no they're a modern band if you will and I just I don't know I guess that's the old crotchety lady in me ranting about how like these newer bands are like oh my influences include modern baseball brand new and taking back sunday and it's like wow couldn't even reach a little bit before that to motion city soundtrack or fugazi or something but yeah so it really helped a lot and so i started to go down this rabbit hole with youtube recently but that's not always how i i find music it's just kind of recently i go through a lot of lulls where i just don't really want to listen to anything um a couple weeks ago actually about two weeks ago really the only thing i would play like when i you know plugged in the auxiliary cable in the car was like 90s r&b and dance hits like labouche and (laughs) the real mccoy and stuff like that i don't know that's just really all i was feeling (laughs) um and then other times i just let eric pick and whatever um, he's playing is just fine with me. I don't, I have no qualms with it. I'm like, whatever you pick, that's what we're listening to. So, um, but other times I'm just really vamped up, really, really into finding new stuff and unearthing new stuff. And, um, I'll, I'll go on this big, you know, internet search, but it mostly does, uh, it mostly does stem from the internet that I, I find stuff. Eric's a little bit more old school. He he actually likes um, CDs a lot. He has an enormous CD collection. I ha- I mean, I have a big vinyl collection, but I seek those records out like I usually know about them previously. We'll be at our local used record record and CD shop, or there's this outlet store in Orlando, um, that we've been to where a lot of the C's are a dollar or even, uh, secondhand shops, Goodwill and stuff. If he sees something on a label that he knows and they, you know, they kind of look cool. (laughs) Like, I mean, you really can tell by artwork a lot of the time, what style of music it is, especially record label, uh, coupled with the artwork. You can pretty much tell. And, um, 
Eric's really good about that because he knows record labels like the back of his hand. And um, so he'll he'll pick stuff up for a dollar and take a gamble on it just based off that. And that's how he kind of consumes and unearths music, which is a little bit different approach than what I do. So, yeah, it's um, it's interesting hearing or learning about uh, hardcore music junkies and how they find stuff. Uh, I've heard Spotify playlists a lot too. People just, you know, find an artist they like and um, stuff comes up automatically on Pandora or uh, do people still use Pandora? I don't know. Spotify, whatever. Um, Similar artist or whatever. So yeah, so I just wanted to kind of talk about that. And um, if you have some thoughts on that, feel free to share them with us. I'm going to go ahead and close out this episode with um a review it's by or we're going to be reviewing this band the slang uh their new ep desperate times and yeah i was drawn to this because of my love for beach slang and the drummer for slater kinney's new band slang so i was definitely interested in a band called the slang So the Slang are a band out of Washington D.C., and they are consist or the band is consisting of John Bobo on vocals, backing vocals, guitar, piano, organ, and synthesizer, and Nick Giambruno or GM Bruno on bass, and Brooks Owens on drums. Uh, additional backing vocals, guitars, and percussion by Eric Taft. So the record is produced by the singer and guitarist John Bobo. It was uh, engineered, mixed, and mastered by Eric Taft, and it was recorded at Buzz Lounge Studios in Beltsville, Maryland. Uh, this thing came out on July 13th, uh, 2018, Friday the 13th on uh, independent record label it looks like i don't know if that's the name or if that is um or if that is they're just listing it as independent but i also see secret songs records listed so uh for for them so they have a five track ep here um and track one is called back to the fact track two breakdown track three harm Track four, Is It Any, uh, which is the single off the uh, EP, and track five, Head Start. They also have covered Love Song by The Cure. I feel like that is a both simultaneously a, a good move and a bad move for a band. And this is a band who seem like they are doing everything right. They're uh, production on this thing is incredible. It this record sounds so great. It's uh, it's clean. It's clear. It the drums sound amazing on it. Um, those I think the drums are the standout for me. It just it sounds incredible. Uh, however, um, I just feel like it's very very watered down, and. I, I feel like it's it's definitely not for someone like me who's looking for something edgy or something with some like something a little strange or esoteric or, or different about it. But they are checking all the boxes if you want a straightforward alternative rock band. They've been featured on HBO and Troma Films. Uh, they've done 
Midpoint Music Festival. So they're they're on the way to you know getting some notoriety here, but it's I think what they're going for is more of a mass appeal, and and that's fine. Uh, they're they're sort of staying in the safe zone, uh, if you will. They have the bumpers up in uh, in bowling, and that's that's fine. But it does translate to it being very watered down. I can I keep likening it to uh, watered down Goo Goo Dolls, and. I, you know, the, the Goo Goo Dolls and, and Sister Hazel and Deep Blue Something, the Bodines, all these bands rode this wave of like, you know, kind of safe 90s alternative uh, in the 90s. And there was a market for it. There was a craze for it. There was a demand. However, I, in this, in these times, in this day and age, I'm not sure where the the market or demand is for this. I don't like basically mass uh, media, mass production is not my forte, but it seems like there's probably still a a need for it. You know, like um, soundtracks, this band seems like they would be very, uh, very, very, uh, they would do very well, excuse me, in the, um, in the soundtrack world. But as far as um, having an edge or having any punch or, as my friend Preston says, having any ass behind it, uh, they, they don't really. So I'm going to play a little bit of a song called Breakdown for you off this EP so you can sort of get what I'm saying here or maybe at least just follow along what I'm saying. So here's that clip of Breakdown. immediate reaction to hearing uh, this five track EP is that this band is like basically missing uh, their their calling in riding that wave with with bands like Sister Hazel, like Goo Goo Dolls, like Vertical Horizon, I think is a a, maybe a better um, a better band to liken them to. But um, yeah, I do hear a lot of the Goo Goo Dolls and I, I I mean, it's, they seem fitting of like a soundtrack, like the OC or something like that. And maybe, uh, they're part of something that's bubbling beneath the surface and that it's coming back and that we need bands like this, um, and, uh, in the zeitgeist. But for me, I just feel like I, I, I'm looking for something more. I'm looking for something, uh, grittier, edgier, more, you know, something a little different. And, um, some of the stuff I like and that I've talked about on this show, it does sound, you know, sound similar to other bands that are in that realm that are gritty and, and it's a copy of a copy, but, and that's why I like it, but they're all, they all have a common ground that they, they're doing something that's not 
going to ever break through to the main, mainstream. And this band, the Slang, are, are doing everything right to break into the mainstream, uh, including covering uh, The Cure's love song, which has been covered to death. And um, I'm not the person to to make judgments on on mainstream music because I just really don't have any idea but um, that's my ear that's my um, reaction to it uh, somebody like me being confronted or or listening to this EP it that's my reaction to to that so um, if you're looking for something that's safe or uh, very radio friendly and well produced this band is is it um if you're looking for a callback to uh 1997 google dolls this is it uh, i have to play this clip of uh, lazy eye because uh by the google dolls off the batman and robin soundtrack from 1997 because uh, that's all i could hear when i heard this song breakdown by the slang because uh johnny rezesnik from the Goo Dolls repeats breakdown as well. And I mean, so many, so many songs before it. So, uh, yeah, that's just a testament to this band being, uh, checking all the boxes, staying safe. So here's a little clip of that Goo Goo Dolls song for no reason. Yes, 1997, the parts that we probably don't want to remember. Um, and if you've been listening to this show since the beginning, I actually really do love the Goo Goo Dolls, but um, just the more like punk rock stuff, like late 80s Jed Superstar Car Wash, when it was just really like bizarre and Robbie sang a lot. But when it started to kind of be like on when they were on Warner Brothers instead of like Metal Blade it started to get a little weak sauce for me and a little too mainstream so yeah um that being said I want to know what the first song that that said breakdown in it was because so many have since and obviously continue to do so but I I think it might be Tom Petty's song breakdown it was off their uh, self-titled album, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers, uh, 1977. So was that the first instance of breakdown? I don't know. Somebody, somebody researched that shit, but yeah. Um, so that's what you're looking for. Um, soundtracks, HBO, this is your band, the slang. Um, nothing as it turns out like beach slang or Janet uh, Janet Weiss from Slater Kinney's slang, but nonetheless, they are there and, uh, they're existing for people who, who like th that sort of thing. And, um, you know, if you haven't found your particular shade of beige in bands like Vertical Horizon or the Goo Goo Dolls, or even the Plim, the Plim Souls, I'm sorry to say, sometimes even them, or Deep Blue Something, then you might find it in 
the slang. It's just, it's not edgy enough for me. Sorry, I'm going to pull my uh, indie hipster card here. And um, that's just, that's just what is sonically pleasing for me. So yeah. Um, and on that, we're going to end on a positive note that uh, once again, this thing is, is insanely produced, uh, well, it's, it's produced well. And I wanted to highlight that and go out here on, um, on a positive note and, and really just showcase that because their single, is it any is uh, probably the standout as far as the production on this thing. So yeah. Um, don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the show. It helps tremendously. I say that all the time, but it really, really, really does. Um, help us jump to, uh, the top, help us, uh, of iTunes. It also helps us to be found e- more easily on, um, on these podcast apps and on Google and stuff like that. So it's, um, it's super helpful and it's super quick and easy. Just hit subscribe, hit like, leave a little comment, something, um, the interaction just really helps a lot. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Strip Diary. Send me a message on there or an email at strippedmusicdiary at gmail.com. And stay tuned for next week. We're going to be uh, talking about this cool Seattle band that um, that I've been talking with here and uh, talking about their, their sound, their stuff, what's going on in Seattle uh, recently or lately. And, um, yeah, we have more to come on Stripped Music Diary. Thanks so much for listening. And here's a little bit more of the slang. Sometimes it's hard